welcome to the Battered Fruit Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon, and I get to bring you a dear friend today, Riley Key. And he's going to be starting with sharing his testimony and how he believes that God has been faithful through the ups and the downs and everywhere in between. So. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I know some people are not. I was fortunate enough to be. Uh, went into a old Pentecostal church. The, our cousin was actually like the pastor there. Okay. So like it was one of those where down south, so I'm from Alabama and down south where we lived in that area, they called it the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit or anything like that. It was the Holy Ghost. Um, and of course it was very like present. You could feel it in the room. Um, I was younger, so I really didn't know what was going on. And I was just kind of like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go. Um, like the old ladies would even grab us and dance with us. So it was like super cool things going on. Um, so with that, we were, we moved away. So I didn't go there anymore. Too far to go. Uh, my parents quit going to church. Um, mom worked three jobs. Dad was going to stay at home, work at night. Um, so they would trade off one to sleep and kind of be home with the kids. You know, they would work at the time. And so church wasn't like relatively a thing in my home anymore. Hmm. We actually got invited by a friend to go to a Baptist church. And so we started going there, which is like a huge difference. Wow. Really didn't practice anything like Holy Spirit um, or Holy Ghost laws. Uh, and in fact, I just went to wrestle. <laughs> we all go to youth group on Wednesdays and wrestle with each other and like play zombie tag, not tag or whatever. Um, and that happened for a few years until about my eighth grade year. Um, and with that, I went to a youth night where my eighth grade teacher was actually the speaker. So he taught at the school I went to, I went to Carbondale Junior High School. And some of the teachers did dual classes. So they taught a seventh grade class and an eighth grade class, but they taught the same subject if that makes sense. Yeah. So our history teacher taught 7th grade history and 8th grade history. Um, and he spoke that night. He was a youth pastor in another little town about 20 minutes away. And he just, like, the way he just spoke about Jesus and God in his life, I was like, wow, this is, like, not something I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Like, I've known of, but haven't experienced. And so I actually talked to him that night and really took the steps to accept Jesus in. Um, so that was when I pretty, that was my I got saved moment. I got baptized not too long after that. Um, and he's, he was a really cool guy. So he actually led SCA at the school, and he spoke at it himself. And they only had like 10 minutes for SCA. So everybody would go. You had 10 minutes to listen to whatever he was going to say right. and uh, be encouraged by it. And it was like before school on Fridays. Well, after getting saved and talking to him a little bit, he actually um, encouraged me to speak hmm. and do things. He was like, Riley, there's something about you that's different. Wow. Um, like, you're not embarrassed. You're not afraid of things. I think God is going to use this to, like, do something with. Like, yeah. you just have things regular kids are not afraid of in your, you know, in your junior high years. And so he actually got me to speak at one FCA. So I had, like, 10 minutes. 400 kids there, though. And he's like, if you can do this, you can do anything, man. Like, yes. this ain't nothing to worry about. Um, and so, yeah, that was, like, my first ever thing. Um, and so... I was like, okay, yeah, that's not that bad. And he goes, yeah, that's great. And now you're like student-led doing this FCA thing. He's like, now we're going to speak more. We're just going to get you to speak more and kind of lead this thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what that looks like or whatever. And he goes, it's great. I'll help you. So he was probably kind of like my first mentor. His name was Dustin Murray. He actually wrote a book not too long ago about um, the love God has in Philippines. Um, so it's super cool. Um, so with that, all of that kind of like happening, um, I talked to my pastor at Cardinal First Baptist. I was like, what does it look like to do this? And he goes, well, you can actually get ordained. And I was like, what? I don't know what that word means, but like, what, what, what is that? And so he kind of went through that, like, 
uh, process of what that was and how you do that. And it was just a couple of years of mentorship. He could ordain me through the church. Hmm. Uh, and after that, you can actually do like weddings and funerals and things like that. And I was right. like, there's no way. He goes, yeah, you could, you could do that. It just takes like, we just do three or four years of mentorship. And like, we watch you closely. And you have to be involved in things. And I was like, okay, sign me up. We're all signed up for this at. Um, so I started doing the, the right track for that. Um, and I would speak at different like youth events, different churches coming together. Um, we do a thing called Field of Faith down there. Yeah. And so the city school Jasper, all the schools around it come together on a Friday night. And we use the Jasper football field. And everybody's there. And we do worship. We do right. uh, speaking. I got to speak at that for a really cool thing. Um, we did another like drama night where youth groups will do dramas. Dramas, uh, different drama teams would come out and do things. So we did all kinds of things. I got to go on all kinds of trips. Uh, I went to New York for three months with the church and mission trips and stayed out there for a couple of times. There's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, junior year of high school. So when I started doing all that, I actually took off football my sophomore year. Really? So I played football to my sophomore year. Uh, took a break. I was like, God, put it on my heart to take a break. I was like, I'm just going to do ministry full time this sophomore year. And so, um, yeah, sophomore year, took a break. My head coach was actually really upset. He left that year. Um, junior year started football back did really amazing really good and then I had a concussion during the concussion I didn't remember who my mom and dad were I didn't remember who my girlfriend was or anything like that Wow. Um, in fact like your identifier is your birth date when you're in the ER yeah. I didn't know I thought my birthday was that day because I didn't know and everybody oh. would just ask me like what's your birthday uh, the only thing I did remember was Jesus who he was and what he did wow. So, and that happened for like two to three weeks like there's just stuff. My mom, everybody thought it was crazy because like, I would eat certain things. I was I'm still I was still a super picky eater, but my like pickiness in my eating even changed. Like I started eating salad. Like I never ate salad until then. <laughs> just started eating salad. I was just trying new things and got it. So it was just a super crazy event. Um, and the school was really awkward for me then because like a lot of people knew me because I would start going back to school. I uh, couldn't play football for a couple of weeks. Like there was a lot going on. I wore sunglasses in school. Wow. Um, so. Yeah, it was really, really tough. Um, and so a lot of people knew me, though, and I didn't remember them. So it was really awkward for me. I was like, oh, I don't know who you are. I don't know, like, you know anything about wow. you. Uh, and after that, I transferred. So I was off football for about seven weeks, like started remembering things. So there were still some people that I couldn't like pinpoint or remember. Um, and that was just really big because a lot of people, I could see people like, get upset. Because I had like, some of these were my best friends, and you know, they had all these memories, and I was like, ah. Oh. I don't know you, man. I'm sorry, but like we can redo those things if you want to, you know, like wow. whatever makes you feel better. Um, so that happened. Um, transferred to a little school called Lynn that year, my senior or to start my senior year. Uh, so halfway through junior year, uh, played baseball there. I actually got to start football season back that year. Um, during spring training, uh, I had my gallbladder removed though. Um, we did a spring training, like a little practice game for refs. Um, and throughout all this time, I still did ministry, so it wasn't like. You know, I was overloading myself with not, you know, football. I'm not focusing on God. I still did things. Um, and so I had gallbladder surgery. We was just at practice one day, and I got hit really hard a few times, and I just started, like, vomiting everywhere. And they're like, okay, we got to get you off the field. Like, you need to go to the hospital. This is serious. Found out I have gallstones. We actually went to Children's. There's a place called Children's down there. Um, it's in Birmingham. So we went to Children's in Birmingham, found out I have gallstones. They called it an infection, so they can immediately just take it out. Uh, so they took it out. I missed football for about two weeks, went back, um, played, but I was still having issues. I lost like 60 pounds in two weeks. Wow. Um, just from all the vomiting, I couldn't hold stuff down. And he was like, okay, it shouldn't be like this. Like, what's going on? Um, 
throughout that time, the season was going on, it still wasn't getting better. And I still did everything. Um, definitely not like approved of, but my mom would give me Zofran shots uh, just to keep me from getting sick. And my coach would actually call timeouts for me to get Zofran and fit him in and stuff in. That way I could like hold water in for the game at least and get through the game being hydrated and doing good. Wow. Um, and so we got close to the end of our season um, and I started seeing a stomach specialist. Um, during this time, um, they run, they do a test, they run a probe down your throat, your esophagus, and see what's going on down there. Uh, and he had a few ideas, and we tried some other things, and it didn't work out. So when he did this, he actually saw that I had acid reflux, and what was happening was everything was melting. One, my stomach made too much stomach acid, um, and then two, there was no way of stopping it um, because you have it. So you have a valve. And you have a hole that opens and closes at the bottom of your esophagus to like shut it down. Yeah. Well, my valve was not working, and so that hole just stayed open. So anytime that acid reflux would just run up right. and melt things. Right. So he said everything from my esophagus to even my stomach lining was melted. Right. And that's causing cancer cells. So um, that was like really big news. Mm -hmm. That was like okay, I have cancer cells, um, which leads to more things, obviously. He's like, Barry's esophagus is already starting. Like, there's things that are there that if we don't take care of, at least we'll get this fixed. We're in some serious trouble. Um, and at that time, I was dating a girl. And we're from, like, super small towns. Carbon Hill and Land are super small towns. Uh, like, trailer home parks and homes are people work at trailer plants kind of for their jobs kind of thing. Or you go to school and kind of get out of there. Or you join the military, and that's what it is. And her dad served in the military, and that's what she wanted to do. Wow. And so... I did have some college football offers, um, didn't take them when I was kind of like too sick. I actually got homeschooled after we found that out, just because I was like too sick to be there. Everybody knew. Um, then there's times I would even talk to my teachers, and they'd just be like, Riley, go home. Like, right. just go home, you're excused. No, no reason, uh, you know, to make you do all this. We can see how sick you are. You're good to go. Um, so that was, you know, more on the difficult end, um, which is kind of a cool story, I guess, just because uh, those times that I got sick home and started homeschooling, I was able to do more ministry. And that's, I guess that speaks volumes, you know, definitely to someone that's going through all that. Mm -hmm. um, being in the school, you know, some parents or certain kids see their parents going through divorce and think it's the end of the world. Um, but then when you have a kid that was diagnosed with cancer cells and cancer, uh, why is he still happy? How is he still able to go through things? So I got to minister through that. Mm -hmm. I'm like being sick and then being like, Riley, why are you still following God? Are you not mad at him? I was like, no, there's grace and he has a lot of love that I'm still able to ride out on. So we're doing great. Um, so it was a really big ministry opportunity for me. Um, and so to move on forward from that, we, when I got homeschooled, did a lot more ministry, talked to my girlfriend at the time. Uh, schools, we're about to graduate. She wants to join the military, so we talked to a recruiter. The recruiter explains to me that, like, hey, if we get married, if we've ever thought about it, we've been together for quite some time. If we get married, we can get a house on base. Um, we get military insurance then, and while she's gone, we actually get, like, more money throughout that way. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to pray about that first. I'm not just going to, like, jump into it. Um, and that's definitely something where I'm from is like a big thing. Like, getting there's a lot of honor and respect in getting married and having a family. That's every yeah. like little boy's dream almost, yeah. you know, hearing yeah. from your dad. And so I was like, okay, let's pray about it. Um, so I felt good about it. I felt God leading us to that direction. And so we got married, and she left after she got not too long after she graduated. Um, went to boot camp in AIT for a total of six months. But in that six months, I actually fully recovered. Don't know how it happened. I uh, just kept going to the doctor. He prescribed me some medicine here and there. We tried this old school thing, um, and it causes stomach cramps because they said sometimes what happens is when you go un undergo surgery, like when they put you to sleep, you have to think about everything that shuts down, like everything shuts down. 
And so one of his ideas was my stomach just completely shut down working. So that's why that valve might not be moving was because after my gallbladder surgery, it just quit. Like it's yeah. still asleep is what he said. And so if it causes stomach cramps, then it's trying to wake itself back up. Wow. I don't know if that really worked or not. <laughs> I just took it and had a bunch of stomach cramps. So I was like, why am I hurting? Oh yeah, I got to take this thing. Uh, so that became like a, a big thing. Uh, but I fully recovered somehow. He, uh, the doctor himself, his name is Stephen King. Um, was like, this is a miracle. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is. And I was like, yeah, great, awesome. It's my God for you, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, so another super cool moment there. Um, so my wife then at the time, um, we get sent to uh, a base in Kansas. Um, and so we're there for Christmas, uh, start moving in, getting things ready to go. Uh, go to Alabama two, two times, I believe, in December of 2019, see family again before we're like officially going on. And so, come January of 2020, um, that we started having like issues. Uh, of course, we've been married for you know not even a year yet, and she's been gone, dated a while, but never really like lived together mm -hmm. uh, a whole lot. And not before too long after we started having issues, um, she informs me she's had a relationship with her commander, and that led into a whole another slew of issues. Um, and then after I kind of figured out that, she just asked me to leave. Uh, he would come over, which made it awkward, because he's like, okay, you're a commander, you're kind of hung up, this is not, probably not appropriate for one, and for two, this is definitely awkward for me. Like, I, you know, I know things now, it's, it's super awkward. And so I was like, God, okay, you got me here, <laughs> we're, we're here, what do we do now? And so I actually called my parents and was just like, okay, this is what's happening. Yeah. I don't know what to do, I have no money, wasn't able to get a job yet, we haven't been up here too long. Uh, you know, we just now came back from Alabama two times, and so, like, what do we do? And so my mom just said, like, hey, let's pray about it over the night. Let's see what tomorrow brings. Um, and it just reminded me of that song, like, Joy Comes in the Morning. And I was like, oh, well, this is awkward because I'm not joyful right now, you know. <laughs> but we'll see what tomorrow looks like. Joy comes tomorrow, right? And so at 5 o'clock that morning when she went to work, she actually sent me a newspaper article. Uh, she works in a dementia facility, so she's over a dementia unit. She was one of the big, uh, like, three leaders of a whole living facility. And her unit was on lockdown, and they get newspapers. And on the newspaper, it said, Riley loves South Dakota. Riley loves South Dakota. Riley loves South Dakota. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like I love South Dakota, so that's where I'm going. God, you know, like, I don't know if I can get more clear than that. And so I literally just packed two suitcases. I'd take the big living room TV that we had. Um, for those that have been to my house, it's the one in our living room now. Because <laughs> um, my nanny got it for Christmas, and I was like, at least need a TV. Packed up my games, two suitcases. Load it in the car um, and take off. Just GPS, South Dakota. Like <laughs> on the way, South Dakota. Here we go. Riley loves it. Here we go. Um, and so, like halfway here, I stop at a Loves, and so it's a six-hour drive. I drive about three hours. Again, I didn't have like no money, so I called my nanny and she like PayPal'd me like eighty bucks. So I had eighty bucks. Drive six hours. Uh, not sure what I was gonna do. Just going to South Dakota. Halfway here, stop at a Loves to get some McDonald's. Um, and as I stop in, I get a Snapchat notification from a guy that when I got sick, I played Xbox with. Um, and he just texts me and goes, hey man, I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, would you like to meet in person for the first time? And so you got, you know, all, all emotions going on. I was like, I got nothing to lose. I'm already headed to South Dakota. Like, if he kidnaps me or something happens, and whatever, you know. Um, and so I come to Sioux Falls, we go to Hoo Hot, and we eat, and I hang out, and he just like, he just literally asked me, he's like, have you ever thought about just moving here? And I was like, well, not until here recently, <laughs> since Riley left South Dakota, you know, I was like, I mean, no, you know, and he's like, well, like, what would it look like for you to move here as a friend? Like, we're still friends, you know, we talked here and there on Snapchat after we could play games together. 
and I was like, oh, just let me call my parents and hug them. And this is just, there's a lot going on that I still haven't even processed. And so I called my parents, and I'm like, what if I just moved to South Dakota? And they were like, well, God told you to go there. He said he'd take care of you, you know, like. And worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I always have a home there now. Yeah. You know, I can always drive back. And so I was like, okay, we're just going to do it. And so I felt led then to tell him my situation of what's going on. And I tell him that, and he said, can you give me two weeks? And I was like, I guess. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do for two weeks for sure. Uh, and so this is beginning of February. Um, I get, or end of January, beginning of February. And so uh, I sleep in my car for two weeks. Um, I sleep downtown at the Raven, bouncing back between the Walmart and the Raven. Um, Walmart's got 24-hour parking, so I don't care if your car's there. So I was able to sleep in there. Um, not long after that, I met one of his friends back at Hoo with him. And never met him a day in my life or his parents, but leaving Hoo he told me I get to move in with him, that they're going to take me in. So I got to move in with them. I slept on their floor for a little while. We got like a little bed, like halfway through, and put it in at the foot of his bed. And then they let me get by a dresser, a bottle dresser. They didn't have any extra beds or any room, so I was just fitting in in their little loft wherever. Uh, and they helped me get a job at Great Life. And so started working at Great Life. That's how I was able to make money. COVID hit. Great Life heard my story uh, from my friend's parents and dealing with divorce. So there was a time I had to miss work due to trying to talk to a lawyer, and they were just like, oh, you feel there a lot. We never know. They're like, well, how did you not, like, break down? I was like, well, let me tell you my story and why. So it was another great ministry opportunity. Um, I have a really bad accent. I still had that big accent at the time. And so when people came into Great Life and I got to talk to them, they always asked, like, how did you end up here? Yeah. And so it was a really great opportunity for me to share more and do things. And I actually, so COVID hit, Great Life would, like, shut down. I moved to 26th Street because it's, like, open for certain hours. And you only are allowed so many people. Well, I met a lot of really cool people there. They heard my accent, wanted to hear my story. I could share with them. And they wanted to start a Bible study. And I was like, well, I'm here until 10. And I'm, you know, like, gym close at 10. Um, I really don't want to go, like, I'll go, not that I don't want to go home and then go somewhere at 10 at night, but, like, let's see if we can do something throughout the day uh, a little bit more. Nobody could do that. And I was like, you know what, we're about, we just start a Bible study here at the gym. Like, um, shut the gym, lots off at the front, we'll go to the back, do a Bible study. And so we had a Bible study at the gym going. Um, COVID starts slowing down a little bit. Woodlake opens back up. And so when that happened, I got sent back to Woodlake doing things. Super awesome. Uh, it's really cool to work behind the desk and be able to engage with people. Um, and that was when I met John Glasser, who works at Collision. And so he came in and heard me sharing the gospel with somebody. So I'm using the hydro bed, and I was just like, it's customer service. You want to check on people, you know. So I go over there, and I just check on him because no, nothing else is happening. I've done my cleaning list. Like, everything's done. It's like, this guy's over here. Seems like he's chilling. <laughs> like, let me go just talk to him. Uh, and that's when he asked me what collision was. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. I've never heard of it. I haven't been here too long. He goes, yeah, you got an accident. Where are you from? And so I was like, here we go again. Like, yeah. here we go. And so, uh, you know, I told him. And he was like, well, how did you end up here? And I'm like, well, that's a long story. And he goes, well, I got time. And I was like, great. Uh, so I shared with him my story. And he was like, have you ever heard? So you've never heard of collision? And I was like, no. And he uh, shared with me what collision was, said they're hiring and would love to add me to their staff. And so I was like, okay, I'll look into it. Looked into it, and the dude came in for like the next four days straight, asking if I've applied, <laughs> like jumped on it. Um, and so my wife now, my uh, current wife, um, actually lived across the street from the gym I worked at at Woodlake. And so when I went and shared with her this new information of me possibly leaving the gym for this, she just laughed at me because she worked for Collision when she was in high school. Yeah. And she was like, I'm going to text John right now. And so got to talk to John more. Uh, and so, yeah, it's pretty much how we got here, um, which is really cool because, like, so AG, my wife, um, you know, she's, we actually started talking and dating when I was homeless. And now we own a house together. 
Um, we became homeowners this year. We have a baby on the way, so it's like really cool stuff going on. And so I've seen God be faithful, not just from being sick, but like starting all over again uh, in different ways. And just not just his faithfulness, but his blessings come within that. You know, I, I have more friends than ever um, that are just more friends and just not, you know, some friends show up in the hard times and then some don't. And I've had, you know, plenty of friends, even in the hard times, be like, how can we bless you? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? So I've been blessed in more measure than just being physically, mm -hmm. um, but even spiritually. And so it's been a super cool experience. So what is a scripture that, like, helped you through as kind of a, oh, like an actual like, word from God that, that you were sustained by? Is there anything that comes to mind as far as scripture? Uh, you know, for anyone who's listening, they're probably like, what did that one guy say? What experience did you have that, like, helped you believe so miraculously so strongly is there you know it's almost like what is that experience what are those words that you cling to on the inside that allows you to get through all the things on the outside um this might be a little corny because i've heard a lot of people say it but jeremiah 29 11 all right for <laughs> there are like eight billion people in the world so it's possible that one of the eight billion people <laughs> in the world who's listening to this podcast doesn't know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. So, do you have a paraphrase of it? Uh, for I know I have for the plans that I've set for you, those of good and not of evil. Um, I believe that's it. Plans to prosper you. Yeah, plans to prosper hope. and to give you hope. Yeah. And so, yeah, because that's definitely something my friends have said. They're like, "Really, how do you like look past these things?" And I'm like, "Well, God has a plan for me yeah. to prosper me yeah. and then give me hope." Yeah. And so I can wake up tomorrow knowing, you know what? This today might be the day yeah. for me to prosper and have new hope. Yeah. For you know, a lot of people, they don't think that God talks in any clear way nowadays. You know, they read the Bible and they can see that angels spoke to people and God would show up in dreams and visions and his voice would come out of nowhere. As far as God's faithfulness to, to for you to hear his voice, what does that look like on like a more like noticeable way? Do you have an example of a time where like you can explain like he was talking to you? So there was, I can definitely relate to that. So one of the nights I was sleeping on the floor, um, divorce things were getting extremely stressful. Um, yeah, definitely was like, been praying and haven't like heard anything from God. And so one night I remember just reading, I was like, okay, this is what got me there. So I was actually reading Jeremiah 29 11. I was like, this is what got me here. This is everything that's, that's going on. And uh, I just felt his presence. Hmm. Like he didn't say anything, but I just felt his presence. And so literally that next morning, I texted um, an old football mentor of mine that was a believer and was like, hey, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I know you know a little bit, but like, I haven't heard from God and I don't know what's going on. And he actually said, have you felt his presence? Wow. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I, could, I felt I've done that. And he goes, isn't that like him talking to you? Like, you know, sometimes God doesn't have to say anything, does he? Or is like him being in your presence and you feeling his presence, him talking to you? Mm. Like, have you ever just looked at it that way? And I was yeah. like, no, I've never, <laughs> never really looked at it that way. And he was like, you know, if you were standing in front of me, I don't know if I'd have words to tell you about what's going on, mm. but I'll give you a hug. So maybe that's just what he's doing. And I was like, awesome. 
And so it definitely gave me like a new vision of what that might look like, or God talking to me might look like. Yeah. You know, not you know, we don't always hear words right. from Him, right? But we can feel His presence in those moments, yeah. and that was kind of like the boost that I needed definitely so to be good. like, okay, God, you, I might not hear you, but I can see you're speaking to me, yeah, and you're hearing me in that moment, yeah. So good. So, and for good. someone who is listening and they don't know God, they are interested what what is the atmosphere that we have to bring ourselves into for his presence what are I mean I heard you talk about kind of the the first time this holy roller <laughs> holy ghost experience all the way to being by yourself on a floor and both were where his presence could be accessed, yep. be experienced, but how does, if someone doesn't have any ideas, what would you? Um, I would say having an opened heart, which leads, and some people, you might not understand that, but like an open mind. Um, mm -hmm. Open heart, I think of open mind, because uh, you know we can't physically like open our heart. Uh, and just be willing to reach his word like you know that's where we find him at hmm. um, and if you reach his word you'll feel those things start to slowly happen yeah. as you go and with that open heart he has access I would take I want people to think about those moments they don't hear from God and think about if they felt his presence because wow. I think that was like one of the biggest game changers for me um you know, I'm sure you can think about your story. You think about, mm -hmm. you know, moments you didn't hear from God and how, yeah. you know, possibly upset or mad you got. Yeah. But you felt His presence in. You can think, yeah. wow, He was, even in those moments, He is faithful. Yes. And that's something to think about because now, like, when you go back and think about that, you're like, okay, He didn't leave me. Mm -hmm. There's not a moment He really like, you know, just left me hanging. Right. So when, as you think about your story, I'm just thinking about those, those little details and those moments. Mm. Wherever you are. We hope you're blessed and that you know that we're two guys that want to care for you and help you grow. We would encourage you to really try to practice something that you heard in this story today. And this is a real testimony of what God can do in someone. And so, like, what did you hear today? And that you can, like, obey and share with others. Good. Elmo is our outro song today. <laughs> it's fitting. <laughs> Did you grow up with Elmo? Uh, no. Neither. <laughs> All right. Till next time. That's it.